Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Postcards from a Dying World uh, for the second of my official Star Trek. Uh, well, I, I thought it was going to be a season ending uh, episode, but we're, now it's a mid-season. I didn't realize that Prodigy was only half a season at 10, but they're coming back. But anyways, this is the mid-season Star Trek Prodigy uh, panel um and returning from both uh both from our lower decks episodes and now i reached out i should say i reached out to some pretty big names in the star trek community (laughs) and none of them have watched prodigy and it really disturbed me one had watched the pilot and loved it but didn't go back and finish it yet Hmm. now that hurts um, I'm not going to name names, but these are like actual <laughs> Star Trek authors and people that. What do they have better to do right now? There's, it's the dead of winter. There's, there's still their pandemic floating around out there. I I don't know. But anyways, well, uh, speaking second is Sarah Lynn Mishner, who uh, you might remember from our Lower Decks panel. Sarah is one of my favorite Star Trek nerds to call upon for uh, discussing all things Star Trek. And also one of my favorite Star Trek friends, Issa Diao, who is the lead vocalist of Good Clean Fun, a writer, director, creator, business owner, all that stuff. Um, and Issa, who, if you guys recall on the Lower Decks episode, said he hates cartoons. So I, didn't I almost did. That. that is a mis- misquote. I, there are things about cartoons that I don't, I don't like. You hate Star Trek cartoons. I I didn't I didn't say that. Everyone can go back and watch and hear for themselves the nuance to what I actually said. But that's fine. For for, for <laughs> podcast promotion, we can just say I hate cartoons. Now you're a Star Wars guy too. Have you watched any Clone I mean, Wars, Bad Batch, any of that? I, I haven't. So I'm I'm a Star Wars guy in the sense that I really like the original movies when I was a kid. That's like the extent of my Star Warsism. I mean, I never I never had the toys. I never, uh, I didn't really care for the prequels. In fact, I really didn't like the prequels. Um, and I- I feel like that makes you a Star Wars person though. Cause in order to be a self-respecting Star Wars person, you have to hate the prequels. I guess, I guess that's a good point. So I'm not doing a good job of describing myself as a non-Star Wars person. But I also, I thought the new movies were okay. I, I weren't like my favorite movies ever. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I read a couple of the books like the the Thrawn series and a couple others, but I, I'm, you know, I'm like a, a a low-key star wars fan yeah i am uh i prefer star trek to star wars but i am a star wars nerd and i will say i will take any of the three prequels over rise of skywalker any day (laughs) any day of the week yeah go Uh, watch the first go watch the first movie like five times in a row good luck (laughs) you'd definitely rather watch rise of skywalker five times in a row no, I don't know. You think Phantom Menace yeah, is the worst yeah. movie? Oh, no, I would take that debate in a long time. But anyways, that's not what we're here to talk yeah, about. Okay. Today. 
I actually went back and saw Phantom Menace in the theater multiple times. I can I have never been able to watch Rise of Skywalker a second time. Wow. Okay, I actually enjoyed it way more the second time than the first time, but whatever. I couldn't finish it. I couldn't finish wrong, it. Wrong podcast. We'll we'll do yeah. that another time. Yeah. We'll do that another time. Uh, but we're here to talk about Star Trek Prodigy, which um, is the first time Star Trek has made a show specifically for kids. Now, the Star Trek the animated series ostensibly was a Saturday morning cartoon and the idea was supposed to to bridge the gap a little bit but if you go back and watch Star Trek the animated series which I recently did um the show is really it's actually more science fiction than the original series in a lot of ways and um there's some pretty heavy ideas and I think that they were still just gearing it basically to to Star Trek fans but this is the first time that Star Trek has done a show with Nickelodeon is, you know, I mean, that they made this with Nickelodeon specifically with the idea of attracting kids. And, um, you know, I wasn't against the idea. I wasn't super excited about the idea, but the first time they released the theme song with the video, of the protostar flying around, I was like totally sold. I was like, I want to see this. It's super cool. And, um, I thought the pilot was great, um, but we'll, we'll get to individual episodes in a little bit. But basically, you're starting off overall feelings about how you felt coming into this. Like, what were your expectations? My expectations were maybe this will be neat. Maybe this will be fun, but I probably won't like it a ton because it'll be geared towards kids. And um, and I, I love this show. I love, love, loved Prodigy. And um, in a lot of ways, I think it's one of the strongest things Star Trek's done since it came back. Starting with Sarah, what were your expectations? I really, really thought, especially because they had already released Lower Decks and they made it very clear that Lower Decks was for adults and Prodigy was for kids. I honestly believed, especially because they got Nickelodeon involved. I was like, okay, they are making an honest to goodness kids show. And to be honest, I find Prodigy more watchable than Lower Decks because as we discussed before, I am too old to keep up with the speed of dialogue that happens on Lower Decks. And so even though I love it, it's also very tiring. I could never binge it because my brain would just hurt. So the fact that I find Prodigy more watchable, like because the characters aren't speaking as fast and stuff you know, surprised me, but I really was expecting, like, I, I did not, I've only, I have not seen all of the animated series. It's the only Star Trek that I have not seen all of. And I was never a fan. It just seemed like a kid's show to me. Um, you know, even though there were certain standalone episodes that I really liked, it was like, I had to slog through the ones that weren't like that. And so I was expecting very much for all those reasons, a solidly children's show. And I almost didn't watch it. And then of course, you know, I had, I had to, I was curious and I was just like, oh my God, this is everything that you would want an animated Star Trek show to be. Yeah. Yeah. Issa, what were your expectations? I mean, I kind of made you watch this, right? You totally made me watch this. And I'm okay. so glad you did because I loved it. <laughs> so my expectations, I've seen the previews and stuff and it was just one of those things where I hadn't really, okay. So my expectations was that I hoped my kids would like it. That was sort of like where it began. And like, I've I made my, I have two daughters who are eight and 13 um, and I made the 13 year old watch Next Generation and, and 
by maid, I mean like literally like you are not allowed to do anything else except watch the show. <laughs> um, and that did not, you know, it went over okay. She liked it fine, right? Uh-huh. I made her and my wife watch it. Um, and it was like, you know, it's a good, we, we followed an episode guide. We only watched certain episodes and we got, we got to season, to the season four premiere of the whole Borg thing. And then everybody, everyone liked that, but then didn't want to watch anymore. So we, we made it to there and then there was low interest in continuing. Um, Interesting. So, That's where it yeah, gets totally. good. Yeah. Well, they liked it. They liked it fine. But then after that, they were, they were less, we had like, I, you know, we, I, you know, whatever. I mean, I understand. I'm literally forcing them to watch the show. They would rather watch <laughs> Gilmore Girls or something else again for the thousandth time. Um, and uh, and so they, you know, that was like sort of where we ended with Star Trek. We we watched like the Whales movie and they love that, of course. Um, but um, so I was hoping this was like a, a way to get the kids more excited about Star Trek. That was really my only hope for the show. Um, and then I, if, when we're ready to talk about that, I will tell you how that went. <laughs> well, I think you could get into that a little bit okay. because I do think that that's interesting because, you know, um, like I'm not a kid's guy, um, you know, whatever. So I don't have any kids t- to watch this with. But so I spent a lot of time sitting there thinking, oh, this is brilliant because it works for kids and it works for adults. And then I start to wonder, wait, is that way too Star Trek for the kids to get? And then I remembered. I watched Star Trek when I was that age. Yeah. So, so yeah. okay. So, so here was this was the takeaway, right? So, started with the with both kids, eight and thirteen. Turn on the first episode. I understand that they said this was a thing aimed at kids, but the first, honestly, two episodes are not aimed at kids at all. It was a complete disaster. Um, the so there are a couple. There were a couple problems, and I'm trying to I'm trying to organize this. But the first one was it didn't look like any cartoons they liked. Right. The three the three favorite cartoons in my house are probably Sonic the Hedgehog, Pokemon and uh, the Miraculous Ladybug, which is a great cartoon if you haven't seen it. Um, And it doesn't look like any of those. It looks kind of weird. You know, like it's not like you're I don't know another cartoon that really looked like this. So there was that. I know this is a ridiculous thing to be critiquing them on. But for the kids, it didn't look familiar enough for them to like it. And then the plot doesn't really kick off until the third episode when they're actually like on the ship and doing stuff. So the first two episodes, it's like, do you really want to watch these slave kids in a mine? You know, like that was not attractive to to my kids at all. Um, You know, so really, I felt felt like, you know, reminiscent of your comments about Discovery, that it could have started on episode three and uh, they could have maybe just had a couple quick nods back to what happened before, but... But so I started the first episode with both kids, 13 year old left maybe 10 minutes in refusing to continue and the eight year old was bored out of her mind and left also. So I kept watching it because I was like, okay, well I have to watch this for David's podcast. Um, And I was like, I I wasn't really impressed with the first couple episodes but then pretty much once they got into, once they took the ship, it got good. Like you got to really meet the characters, like the plot was in place, everything was good. They That episode where they get on the murder planet, that became really good. Um, but then I brought my eight-year-old back for the third episode and, and she was like, but I missed one. I was like, just don't worry about it, just watch it. And now, now she loved it. So the eight-year-old watched the rest of the series with me and she really enjoyed it. Um, no, I've seen I, lots I can't of- get the 13-year-old back. This is really funny to say this, but I've seen lots of pictures online that Star Trek parents are posting of their kids, like 
wrapped with attention watching it mm-hmm. saying like that it's doing its job and i'm like yeah that's great but i'm sure there's tons of kids that are like whatever and they're not <laughs> tweeting those pictures out well but, like kids you know like i think it was weird because it almost watching it obviously i was thinking about kids a lot and it just made me feel like whoever wrote it doesn't have kids like i don't know if they do or not but it didn't seem very aimed at kids in a way of like i'm gonna draw in kids you know it was it was just like the main characters are kids which definitely helps kids relate to it um they probably should have had one human kid i think that might have helped a little bit um and uh they probably should have I, I don't know whatever it, it was i don't know what else what else they could have done differently just getting to the plot faster i think would have been good well i do think that part of the idea from the beginning was that there was no human that it was yeah. the first star trek show with a crew that was all alien completely and look you know kids aren't gonna get the fact that zero is is a medusin which is a yes. deep cut <laughs> reference from the original series like you know like that's you know obviously the thing is I, one of the things that's funny is prodigy everybody talks about all the easter eggs and stuff that's in lower decks but prodigy oh yeah oh my god there's so many easter eggs and little things and like um like you can't even do them all like you know in discussion but you know whatever anyways so um but and and i get sarah you already said that you you were you were sold on it did, were you sold right away or did it take a couple episodes for you at this point i'm pretty much used to i think that it's a strategy i think that that the kurtzman uh group <laughs> you know it the people who are sort of deciding on the overall feel, I feel like they are very much fans of the slow burn. They did the same thing with Discovery. They did the same thing with Picard. Um, And I, you know, and I'm not, I feel like I'm not really a fan of the idea that you have to grab an audience right away. I feel like with all shows that you might be even a little bit interested in, you should give it three episodes. And then if after three episodes, you're not into it, cool. But like, I feel like, you know, and I think of The Expanse. So many people said that about The Expanse. And I, I honestly feel like it, it, it's because people just don't have the attention span to really think, okay, character building, world building is happening here. And I'm going to follow it and see where it leads. So I, I do feel like it was a feature, not a bug. And I was, I was, you know, all for figuring out. And, you know, the first episode for me, like when I, when I hear somebody saying that kids I was just like, are you kidding? Like those kids are so cool looking, like the purple kid with the cool hair, with the like galaxy eyes. And, you know, I, I love the fact that they've just taken the character design to, you know, DEFCON 1. Like they just, they were like, all right, we now have total freedom. We don't have to worry about makeup or prosthetics. We can do whatever we want and have created some really unique characters. And so I feel like, you know, it's one of those things that might not grab kids right away, but that you know there are just as many things in it that if i were a kid watching this i'd be like oh my god this is this is amazing yeah. so now the show was created by dan and kevin uh hageman and they are brothers and um there is kind of a brothers throwing shit at the walls kind of feeling to it which is great and they they made troll hunters before for um i believe it was guillermo del toro was an executive producer on that 
and so their experience was troll hunters um as far as like having done a thing um i don't know what the process was for them coming in and pitching it but it's clear that they are uh massive um not just star trek nerds but you could tell that you know them casting janeway and putting janeway in here like um they were deep cutting they deep cut voyager so the entire concept of the protostar is from a random line of dialogue from harry kim in one of the episodes of voyager where he kind of throws out the idea of a protostar drive to get him back to the alpha quadrant and then they basically tell him they you can't do that it's not going to work but think about that this whole show is built off of harry (laughs) kim throwing off one line in voyager and they built a whole series off of this and then you know not just that and we're going to assume everyone's watched you should have watched the show if you're going to listen to us talk about it um but and then the fact that they're bringing in chakotay and 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 janeway and all that that that's that's great and of course we'll get into the individual easter eggs and all the different shows because one of the things that's really neat about how they did this show is that um you know, each episode came with online. I don't know if you know this, Isa. I don't know if you saw I, this. I did but, not know this. <laughs> but each each episode online, um, Kate Melgrew would do like a thing on Twitter where she'd talk about the lesson of the episode or what they were trying to say, what the lesson for kids are. And I like just like knowing that, you know, they were doing that. It, it kind of gave me goosebumps every time I'd watch it, like of, of like, oh, that's really neat. It's a cool little thing. And they would say like, oh, the lesson this episode is you have to trust your friends or you have to be there for your friends, you know, and, and all that. And, you know, it was really cool. But let's talk about the fact that from the beginning, before we really get into episode by episode, what, how did you guys feel about bringing Janeway back as a hologram and doing all that? I thought that was great. I was really excited to see Kate Mulgrew back. I know she's, uh, Janeway's from my hometown. and And so I have like a little bit of a, extra thing for Janeway but um but I thought it was awesome that Janeway was back Sarah you go first yeah I I I think it was a great plot device to make that happen without it being weird and you know it I think that it's it's even like the fact that they made her young initially pissed me off and I was like why can't they they have she be like an old admiral Janeway you know uh hologram but I I I ended up really liking what they did with it. And and I feel like Janeway is kind of the perfect captain for what they were trying to do. Like she's very like maternal, tough love in, you know, like imagine like that working with Picard, like he would not know what to do with, with this sort of ragtag group of, of young cadets who are not actually cadets. Never so Janeway was Picard kind of perfect. Was. <laughs> yeah he should not be teaching no there's no way the card would be the hologram for the kids like, <laughs> our day cannot be forgotten you know yeah i i thought i thought it was great voyager is my least watched star trek series like i have definitely not seen the whole thing um but uh but she oh uh, yeah you know whatever um but, <laughs> <laughs> but she's great and uh she's worked perfectly on the show um, I was really glad they gave up that fake cadet thing because I thought they, the idea that they could trick the hologram into thinking they were cadets was a little silly, and I was glad they didn't uh, they didn't really go hard on that. So that was good. 
yeah and um there's kind of a meta thing going on too with uh with kate malgrew um because you know she had very young kids when she was doing voyager and she's talked many times about the fact that she felt like she neglected her kids because she was working all the time for for doing Star Trek. yeah and and so she said you know she said many times over the years before prodigy was even a thing that she carried with her a lot of guilt that she wasn't able to be there more for her kids because you know of the long hours she was doing on voyager in the first couple years and 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 you know they were able to scale some of that back when seven of nine took up a lot of the screen time right in the later seasons but um you know so i think she had a lot of issues with that so i think it was particularly i think it i think some of the when you see kate mulgrew talk about doing prodigy and how much she loves it i think that's a lot of it too you know and um so i I thought that was really neat yeah so anyways let's get into the episode so lost lost and found part one two premiered together as one long 45 minute episode um as far as uh of course the neatest thing for me was when they um get the com badges and they're able to start communicating with each other and they have like the hey i can understand you you know um and that was kind of one of the neatest things john noble playing the villain uh i'm a huge fringe guy so um you know i know most people know him from lord of the rings right but um you know we'll talk more about whether that villain pays off or doesn't pay off well later but um that one of the neat things that kind of came into this and took for the whole season for me to figure this out was you know there's a lot of things that if you watch prodigy early on you're gonna go like well that doesn't make sense how like how does this main kid um oh god what's his name the character's name um doll 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 or yeah Yeah. doll like at first i was like well how does he know about federation worlds and how does he know about all this and of course it gets explained six episodes later that he was (laughs) living on a ferengi ship um and uh which we'll talk about when we get to that episode but but things like that, like I didn't understand, like the protostar has been there for 17 years and the timeline didn't make sense. But then I realize, then you realize once you get into the show is that there's time travel involved and that at some point the protostar got thrown back in time and got hidden. And that's why it's there. And one of the things Wait, that the I'm, protostar went back in time, I didn't catch that part as being a thing. Yeah, because it was there for, they were searching for it for 17 years. So. Yeah, but- but does that necessarily mean it went back in time or it just got lost? Yes, the timeline, like, we'll get to that when you get okay. to the end of the season. But yes, um, we're pretty sure that it started out, it, that it's now back where it's supposed to be, but it it hmm. got sent back in time, is okay. basically. Yes. So, um, and we know this because Janeway is looking for them, that they haven't been gone that long. Like, but in the real time of the of of the protostar i think it may have gone to the future and then gone back to the past but we'll find out but what's cool is that we're finding out we have to wait to find some of these things out and one of the things that i think is great about the kurtzman era of star trek is that there's a lot of things that nerd boys that that are worried about canon go well that doesn't make sense and they always explain it 
they always explain it. You just have to give them time. And so it, uh, with a lot of with Prodigy was, I was just trusting that they were going to, they were going to explain this eventually and they were going to get there. And so, but, um, but yeah, so. I never care about that stuff ever. Yes. In fact, what drives me crazy is like people who are like, well, Marvel always makes sense. It's like Marvel literally just makes shit up all the time and makes up ways in which things are connected and because they are bound by zero laws of believability they can make up literally anything and they regularly do and it's always shocking to me the people who complain about canon inconsistencies in star trek will bring up marvel and i'm like oh my god it is so easy to write it would be so easy to write for marvel like because <laughs> they just write themselves out of every single hole that they've ever been in it's hilarious to watch anyway i digress but the point is that i i just i don't care about canon at all it, it just when it meets up and it makes sense i'm like cool when it doesn't i'm like maybe it'll make sense eventually but i don't care and i i'm very happy this way and i wish more star trek fans would live like me i i feel like i'm i'm somewhat in the middle there like i don't mind um <laughs> Uh, you, you know, I don't mind when stuff's not canon for a good reason, you know, like I'll take good story over maintaining canon, but I, I it bugs me when, um, like I can't think of an example. We don't really need to have Cybok be canon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. But like, the, the <laughs> that never happened. The most obvious example being the Star Trek prequels, I feel like they actually changed a bunch of stuff that made the original movies worse and i feel like as long as you don't do that star wars you mean star wars yeah the star sorry star wars prequels they Another you know like, yeah i know i we <laughs> talked about it earlier. i don't mean to talk about it again but just like um you know they they changed things to make uh, you know that just made the the next movie make less sense and that was just weird you know what i mean so, so what did you guys think of this as a pilot? Because I know, like um, John Ordover, who's uh, who was used to be the Star Trek books editor, he said that he thought it was the strongest pilot since where no no one no man has gone before um, in Star Trek. Like he loved it. Like he was on Facebook all over that day, like about how much he thought it was a great pilot. And when I asked him what he thought about, like, or like why did he think it was such a strong pilot? You know, we had this whole discussion that it, that it, to him, it felt like it was in the Star Trek universe, but it was a new and original setting. And it was something that we hadn't seen before and that it felt fresh in a way that some of the other pilots seemed to be checking boxes. Like we got to do this in our Star Trek pilot and we have to set up the crew and we have to sort of this and that and where it, it just came to it from a different perspective. What did you guys think of it as a pilot, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like my only concern when I when when Discovery came out and then because Discovery did so well, they're like, okay, we're gonna make all these other shows. The only thing I was concerned about is, you know, uh, I just hope that it's not all run by the same teams and therefore they're gonna just look all the same, gonna be all the same. It's gonna, we're gonna have, you know, five different Star Trek discoveries. That's what I didn't want. And so I was so glad to be so wrong about that because every show is different and really different from each other. I love that. I absolutely love that. Like, they're like, we're going to take this and we're going to be as creative as we can with it. And, you know, it's a completely different team that's doing that than working on Lower Decks. They're doing a completely different thing. Um, 
even though obviously there's going to be some crossover with Discovery and Picard that they've hinted at and stuff, it still feels like a very different show, which I love. So I really love the fact that this, you know, is its own entity. It is, you know, it feels very Star Trek to me. And yet somehow they managed to make it totally like Star Trek on drugs for children. <laughs> Star Trek on mushrooms. And I love it. I, it's just so it's visually just incredibly saturated with color and it's just beautiful. I love it. And I personally, and I don't know, I think I, I might sense hesitation from Issa because of what you said about it should have started with episode three. I like that they didn't find the protostar until the end of the episode that, you know, we were mostly around the characters and, mm-hmm. and, and getting a view of this new world. Um, However, I, I, I do think there could have been a way where you could have <clears throat> jump-started it and, or, or kind of done that in reverse or like, you know, had these kids start with these kids like finding the ship and then like going back to their story. However, I liked it the way it was. So, but Issa, you, you definitely didn't like the pilot as much as episode three. So, so I, I didn't really care for the pilot at all, I will say. Like, I, I didn't think... Any the stuff that I ended up really liking about the show wasn't very present in the pilot. Um, if I was, you know, if I had my magic change everything I want to the way I want it, pen or whatever, I would have started on the ship with uh, I've forgotten everyone's name. Uh, the the progeny, what's her name? Uh, whatever. Gwen. What is it? Starts with a V. I... Gwen. Is it Gwen? Gwen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, okay. So I would have started with her and the brig. They're on the ship, and you're just kind of like, "We escaped. I'm definitely not going back there." You know, what do we do with her? She helped us escape, maybe or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anything before that was necessary, especially for kids. They don't need to know why the bad guy is the bad guy necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I that's how I would have started. Like kids just like a bad guy in shows and you don't necessarily need to explain too much about the bad guy at the very beginning. This is hilarious because you basically want to start Prodigy exactly how I want to start Discovery. Discovery. (laughs) I want Discovery to start with Michael Burnham arrested in the show. Right, totally. It's so clip that, you clip the beginning we all have against character development. Like the beauty of those first episodes is when you watch the whole thing, you that journey that they're on and the fact that they end up at that planet and they the fact that they end up at that pla- or that asteroid where they're like it sucks here I don't want to go back it has so much more weight where you actually feel that for, for them you're like I don't want you to go back there either it sucks over there don't go back there it, it should be pointed out that I want that start for discovery not for prodigy I like right. prodigy the way <laughs> well so I think however I'm not saying that I don't want all those parts of the story being told. I just want the story to start at that point. And I want us to come back to those things. That Yeah, exactly. I'm sort of saying the same thing. Like, I think in terms of like grabbing people in there, they could have launched it in a way where it was easier to watch with your kids. So, Um, but I will say that uh, I did like, you know, the, the, there were parts of the, the thing that were good. Like when the, they brought, when the uh, trader, the slave trader guy brings the cat and she's like, you know, don't ever bring us anyone this young again. Like that was like nice. I don't know how they would have done that otherwise, but that, but there was a lot of like, 
we fell through the hole and we found a ship kind of stuff that was like kind of hokey. And I could have, I could have lived without that, you know, like whatever. Right. And also why couldn't, you know, you have all these questions, like why couldn't the bad guy um, just have gotten, taken the ship right away? Like it seemed like it worked and was just sitting there the whole time. So I, those are the kinds of questions that come up when you don't start later. But also I want to say that there's like a general writing rule where you want to start as late in the plot as possible. You know, that's kind of like one of those like, you know, writing 101 things that, you know, obviously you can ignore sometimes, but generally you want to start as late in the plot as you possibly can. Yeah. And you, and if by starting at, the, at that point, at least for me, the reason why I wanted to start discovery at that point is because um, it starts as a mystery and you start in the middle yeah. of, of where the story actually Start. Yeah, I agree with you completely. So, at, that to me is would be bad writing. That would not be good writing because the beauty of, of the first episodes of Star Trek Discovery is you're like, what is going on? And you your your mystery is being you're given mystery, and mystery is a good thing. You want that stuff. Well, it would have be been like every or... other show. It would have been like every other show if she had been if they started on episode three and then they told episode one and two in flashbacks, and it would have been so boring. So I feel like you guys are totally missing the 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 fact that this is a good thing. Well, oh, sorry, I mean, I'm, I'm told a lot adjusting of, a myself lot of here. Dark, so <laughs> Discovery told a lot of story in flashback, you know, like the, the all the Spock stuff and whatever. There was a lot of flashback, so I, I can see how you wouldn't want to add more flashback. But also, um, it was the my takeaway from season one of Discovery was just it was just too much Klingon stuff. And clipping out the beginning would have helped with that a lot, I think. That, you know, whatever. We all, I, I'm glad, it, you know, we all ended up loving it. So it worked out fine. It worked but, out uh, fine. You know, so yeah. episode three is where it gets all Star trek -y. We're on the ship. And this episode was where I was like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, there's all kinds of intense science fiction that, and that's where I was like, is this going to work for kids? Because... They're traveling close to a star. There's all kinds of like weird science. They're getting pulled in with the gravity. But I think what what works is they're balancing that for adults and for the adult Star Trek fans for making it feel like Star Trek. And then there's the inner dynamics of the kids and the crew, which I think is what appeals to the kids. At least it would seem like to me. Now, you said you got your eight-year-old back into the room to watch that episode. Yeah. And am I right? Is it was it the characters? What do you think? Or what yeah, it's it's a hundred percent the characters. She doesn't care about the science stuff. Like you know, I pause to explain the gravity thing, and she doesn't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, right. so it was it was like the they did a great job. The show deserves like super special commendation for like explaining just enough of some of these basic concepts of either science or what the federation is or what just explaining stuff they they balance it really well where it's not ridiculous but they give you enough that at least kids are like okay cool you know but but my daughter didn't care about that at all well and look if you look at the idea of what they're doing is like trying to introduce star trek to a new generation yeah. and to kids the idea that in the third episode you have a hologram turn on and say this is the Federation. This is Starfleet. And it makes sense in the story that these kids need to have the Federation Starfleet explained to them, just like the audience, you know? Yeah, that, that yeah it's amazing to me 
that you know for for decades people have been asking what show what star trek should i start my kids on what star trek should i start my kids on and every time people in the groups and the forums ask this question all the time and the answers are wildly different people are like don't start them on voyager no matter what you do and some people are like absolutely start them on voyager you know start them on tng start them on the original series and like you you just get a wide variety of responses and finally, it's like, no, no, this is the primer to have kids watch. Like, I'm very excited. Somebody asked me this a month ago. What sh what Star Trek should I start with my kids? And I'm like, well, you could do it this way or you could do it that way. And I'm like math gifting over here where I'm like, there's multiple ways to approach it depending on what your needs are and, and the age and everything. And I'm like, no, this is the show. This is the intro show for the kids. And that makes me very happy. I would do Star Trek four into Prodigy. That would be my recommendation. <laughs> well, you know, what's really weird is I have a, my friend, Nate, who I uh, play basketball with every week, um, wanted to get into Star Trek. He's he and I are we go to movies together and we see all the Star Wars movies together and everything. But he never watched Star Trek for a couple months ago. And he decided because he's really OCD about things that he was going to watch in chronological order. Oh man. Wait, in show chronological order or in, in real life? Time, yes. So he has a chart that he's using. Oh has no. All the episodes by year. And he started with Enterprise. Oh man. The two seasons no. of Discovery. No. Then an original series. <laughs> that would be series. so confusing. Oh totally. my God. Is he enjoying it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, all right. Hey, whatever. Now, now, Nate will tell you that he's an easy critic, that he's not, okay. you know, because when I told when he started season three of the original series, I was like, oh, wait, get ready. It's he's like, whoa, no, dude, it was awesome. And I'm like, okay, okay cool. bud. Yeah. You, you, you know, and he loved Enterprise. <laughs> so, you know, but Enterprise was his first, you know, yeah. so like, yeah, you know, I guess if you're going to, you might kind of want to start with the low bar stuff actually that makes a lot of sense because if you like the low bar stuff you're gonna love what's yeah seriously i mean the the best thing about watching enterprise first is the joke the read alert becoming a red alert would actually be pretty funny backwards yeah. you know like <laughs> totally all right so um anything else on that episode starstruck i thought it was great i thought it was just really perfect the way they brought jane way in and and the idea of her being the emergency command hologram is kind of a funny twist on, you know, that that she would think that was important because she had she had a holographic doctor, you know. So if she was <coughs> and look, it's clear that the protostar was designed to go back to the Delta Quadrant. It was clear that the protostar was designed to be, and the fact that Chakotay yeah. was the commander or the captain. Yeah. It's clear that the idea was we're going to take Harry Kim's crazy idea. He's still an ensign, but we're going to build his protostar drive, <laughs> and we're going to go back to the Delta Quadrant. And then something went wrong. But it's like who else would you put as the emergency command hologram on that shit? But Janeway, right. you know. Yeah. And then that would also give Chakotay a Janeway to talk to, <laughs> um, which yeah, it's kind of creepy, but whatever. Um, Anyway, so then the next, well, another thing, do are there any of the characters that you want to talk about? Um, I love Zero. I love that Zero is a Medusan and, and flies around in a little suit 
uh, <clears throat> I was really amazed that 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 came off in the last episode because that's pretty dark. Um, that's a deep cut reference, you know, the Medusans episode. It's not a great episode of Star Trek either, so to pull from that, that was great. Um, oh God, what's the rock creature kid? Rock. Rock. Yeah. Rock. Rock is great. Rock is so cute with a really, and that's a child actor um, doing yep. the voice. And, um, you know, and obviously Murph is super cute for everybody, but Murph is the ultimate Easter egg. The ultimate. Because it's stolen from Galaxy Quest? I mean, from, uh, uh, sorry, the uh, Orville? No. It comes from a Klingon insult in Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, Murph I... is a Denebian slime worm. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. I did not pick that up at all. I didn't oh either. God. No, the, the, the brothers that like put that out there on Twitter afterwards. <laughs> See, I, I was just like, oh, they've stolen a character from, Gal from uh, the Orville. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but maybe not. <laughs> uh, no, Murph is supposed to be a Denebian slime devil um, oh. from like the, you know, the scene where, where Scotty's gets in the fight and the Klingon yeah. says Kirk is a Denebian slime devil. Right. And, and that's what Murph is, is. Oh, that's really funny. I did not catch that one. <laughs> yes. So that is an excellent and amazing and crazy deep cut of Easter egg. Murph is a great character, very cute. Obviously, the, the baby Yoda of Prodigy, um, you know. And uh, Rock was my daughter's favorite character, by the way. Just uh, yeah, well, the she yeah, yeah Rock Tech. She's a great character. Um, I think that um, Jankum can be like he's the Tellerite. Uh, yeah, he's he can be a little annoying because of the whole like talking funny to to be funny for kids but gwen yeah. was a great great character and um i you know i think i think basically like like all the characters were like fun and each one of them had something that you know is really sweet and we'll get to to rocks um yeah big change yeah that was one amazing of the, one of the best things in the show yeah um, and one of the best episodes but um but yeah i mean like I think all the characters were were great and super fun. So, and then four was the murder planet. So episode four was the murder planet, which was called Dreamcatcher. Um, and that was their first away mission. And that was that was great. Now, Issa, I'm sensing you have thoughts on that episode. Oh, I was just, that was when I, I mean, the proto star, the star one was good. This, the murder planet episode was kind of like, okay, these guys are serious, you know, like, this is gonna be straight up Star Trek, like, this is like, you come to a planet, you're seeing things that the planet is convincing you to see to get you to stay, I mean, that's like Star Trek, you know, like, like, I was very impressed, um, and I also want to point out that the episodes are really short, they're like, you know, 20 minutes long or something, and, and they, they compress them so much, but it's still really good, like, you definitely, you could see how that would have been like a 42 minute you know whatever original series or next generation or whatever tv show version they have the same amount of stuff happening it's just very condensed yeah and then they have another marooned on planet the terra firma episode i don't remember much about that episode that's the one before the the break 
and uh, before they took the the break for Discovery. And um, I will say this: that um, I kind of wish they had let Prodigy kind of live on its on, on its own and finish out before they did Discovery. But I understand that they want to get to Discovery because they've had a, a lot of animated stuff. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but we're getting into before we get back to Prodigy. Think about this: we're going to finish Discovery season four. We're going to have Picard season three and Strange New Worlds before. We Wait, Picard back. season two, right? There's only been one Picard, right? Oh, okay, Picard yeah. season two. Sorry. So, I was like, did I miss a whole Picard season? No, no, they're <laughs> filming three right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's what screwed me up. Um, but I don't really remember much about that one before the finale. Does anybody have any thoughts on that one? Because Which one was that? Refresh my memory. I just watched it again. Were they... They they um they get uh they have to work together to get Gwen. I think Gwen is separated from them. But I it's been a while since I saw that one because I haven't watched it since it was first. Was that just part two of the Murder Planet one? I think it was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's what you yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. And then um so then they come back from we come back from the break, and then this is this is the first real big with uh, Kobayashi Maru. Episode yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> now look, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan is one of my all-time favorite movies. I, if I'm sick and I can barely like be awake, I put on Wrath of Khan. Um, I Wrath of Khan is a movie that, if forced to, I could probably quote from beginning to end. Um, and so the Kobayashi Maru. Not only did they do the Kobayashi Maru, but they used the map from Balance of Terror on the screen i didn't i didn't notice that that's funny which is my favorite episode of the original series so of course i caught that and of course using the cameos of all like yeah that was great yeah um my only problem with that is i didn't understand why uh odo was at navigation and you know whatever but i just you know like yes don't overthink it don't it was just they really wanted one from deep space nine (laughs) yeah and they wanted to give the actors who we've lost like a tribute yeah. to. Um, now I know some. I'm sure there's nerds out there that have found, um, you know, where all those episodes came from. But I'm sure I, I'm not the only one that, when you were watching it, you recognized some of the lines of dialogue. Oh yeah, they were all just they just stole dialogue from other episodes for sure. Yeah, and I know that there's somebody made a map where you can where each line like, yeah. comes from this one and comes from that one. Um, I loved that Spock was in an original series um, uniform, not the Discovery version of it, but very clearly an original series uniform. I love that Uhura was there. Um, You know, uh, Gates McFadden recorded new dialogue for it. So she did a lot of the heavy lifting there. That was great. Seeing everybody was great. And the idea that um, Dahl would, you know, do the Kobayashi Maru like a hundred times is kind of funny callback to Lower Decks, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Also, they they dropped a nice little Douglas Adams reference in there. Something, I forget what it was exactly, but something was like the 42nd time or whatever, you know. Yeah. I bet you don't know how many times I've done this so far. The answer is 42, something like that. That was cute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there were just so many, there, there was just so much in that. It was great. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, any uh, what are your thoughts on Kobayashi Maru? Uh, the Kobayashi, I think it's just called Kobayashi. 
Yeah, no, it was great. And, you know, it's, uh, it's harder for me. Like I genuinely, when I watch a show like this, they just blend together and become one big story. So it's harder for me to pick apart specific episodes. But, you know, because of the Kobayashi Maru thing, obviously I remember it. And yeah, it was it was great. And I I liked that as as often as Star Trek has returned to this idea that they managed to do it in a fresh way. And part of that is the the doll character, which I wasn't a super big fan of him the first couple episodes because I felt like he was just sort of the the generic cocky male. And obviously his whole journey is to be less cocky as time goes on and that unfolded. And I didn't expect that I would enjoy it unfolding the way that it did as much as they did. So somehow they managed to, you know, in a, in a, in a show without a lot of tropes and without a lot of stereotypical characters, you know, they managed to have one that was kind of almost there, but then they still managed to make him his own. And that made me so happy. Right. Well, it, one of the things that's great about, by the way, of all the Janeway or Janeway, Kate Mulgrew, like this is the lesson for the episode. It was funny. As soon as I finished this episode, I was like, oh, no, I got to go. I got to go watch this one because she's talking about the Kobayashi Maru. So I remember <laughs> I immediately like went on Twitter to try and find it. Um, and, uh, you know, not I didn't do that with all the episodes, but it was cool. Like, I, I, and, and obviously the Kobayashi Maru, you know, is like a huge part of the Star Trek lore and the mythology. And, and so to see, um, you know, and it also played on, um, you know, discovery uh, recently did an episode where they, you know, talked about the no win scenario and, 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 and it, so, um, so I think there's a really cool synergy there as well. Now, episode seven is one that I had a little bit, first of all, I've never been a huge Ferengi fan like even though deep space nine is my favorite and i i thought there were far the one problem i had with deep space nine is there were far too many Ferengi episodes like a couple of them were very very good but overall like having you know so when i was like oh my god we're getting a Ferengi episode of prodigy i thought it was good to show where doll came from doll comes from and it's it's a part of that whole thing where i said you got to trust people because throughout the series, I was like, why does he know stuff about, you know, Alpha Quadrant stuff? And then when I first saw the Ferengi, I was like, well, what's a Ferengi doing in the Delta Quadrant? And then it made, I, and then I had to do the stupid Trek nerd math in my head. And I was like, well, we don't know how long Ferengis live. And if they live for a really long time, they could spend 70 years traveling to the Delta Quadrant because they think that's where the money is. But then if she has doll on her ship, she's going to be telling her all about, she's going to be telling doll about where she came from. Wait, were they even in the Delta quadrant? Like I, I forget the, uh, they started yeah, somewhere. The Delta quadrant. Yes. Did they start in the gamma quadrant and then go to Delta? Like when they first used the drive, cause they did some kind of travel at some yeah. point. I might be wrong about that, but I thought they were in the Delta quadrant. So at some point they definitely were. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. It's been, I think I, I want to say that they started in gamma and that's where everything was happening. And then they went to Delta quadrant. I don't know, whatever, yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. I'm also not a Ferengi fan in general. Um, but I, I, you know, I think, I think it gives Dahl some, uh, like an interesting backstory. Like he was raised by a Ferengi and sold as a slave like that, you know, it gives him some, gives him some story there. 
Yeah, and I, and I thought his heartbreak over thinking that you know <clears throat> he was going to get help from an old friend and all that was was really good. And uh, so it's funny because there's an episode that I groaned at when I realized what it was. Uh, again, like I was happy with it in the end. Um, Sarah, are you? Yeah, I'm like. Are you pro or anti-Ferengi? Well, I, it, you know, it depends on the episode. Like, obviously, I was super happy with Deep Space Nine to uh, bring more depth to Frangi because in TNG, you had entire species who were created as a joke. You know, you you had for to to you know meet the the needs of the particular episode, and so they ended up creating certain alien races that were the joke and. It, it's weird because, you know, in, in today's society, you, you sort of, it's like they created the other and you're supposed to be in a Star Trek universe where other races are respected and other, you know, and, and, and you have characters openly making fun of, you know, which on, on, on one level, I'm like, it's realistic. And on the other level, I'm like, it's, it's, it just feels icky. It's, um, I should know so, that I like Ferengi characters and I thought Quark and Nog were excellent characters and yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent things i just didn't like episodes that were built around comedy yeah stuff. i mean and that's part of the problem with episodic you know the episodic nature because that happened like whenever tng had like a Riker specific episode i was like ah bored and you know stuff like it, it's just it's just what happens when you have episodic tv but anyway i really liked the fact and i was surprised by the fact that they had they showed you know, in a, in a children's show, they had complex relationships with each other, with uh, the Ferengi character and Dahl, and then, of course, with Gwen and her father, her, you know, like the fact that they, that they show betrayal and the, the, you know, the father choosing his, his, um, his mission over his daughter, you know, I mean, it was, it's realistic and I, I like the fact that when, when children's shows do that when they have good character development genuine realistic you know heartbreaking character development it was just genuinely surprising like I like the fact that multiple times while watching this first season I was like wow this is a, this is impressive to see in a kid's show yeah yeah well and the found family aspect of it was was done really really well where the, where the crew really yes came together yes so good now episode eight to me is prodigy's best episode that's the time fracture i assume yes time them up um which is a great title of course right Um, um, reversal great reversal and um because this was so star trek the fact that that there's like time anomalies and there's um you know there, there's a mystery and they're disjointed from time and and i didn't i don't know if it, this is going to go over the heads of most kids but at the same time you know like i said i watched regular star trek when i was a kid and um but rock's storyline in this episode that she was there we don't know how long she was there she could have been there for years by herself teaching herself the science because she had to save her friends and doing all that and you know she's still gonna come off looking like a child to or sounding like a child to us because we you know we don't know how long it takes her species to grow 
or whatever. Um, but that this idea that she was there for years is heartbreaking. Yeah. And and um, and she uses that skills in the last episode as well. Like, um, <clears throat> but it, it's so great, so Star Trek, so perfect. Um, when I watched this episode, I was sitting in my living room and I literally felt like standing up and applauding for <laughs> for the for the producers because of how freaking great this episode was. And I know I ran to Facebook and I posted to a post that I think Sarah was the only person that responded to it, where I said, God damn it, Prodigy, great job. This is everything you meant to do. And I was thinking, I really hope people will go and watch Prodigy because of it. And of course, probably Sarah read it. <laughs> right. You <laughs> underestimate your Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, yes, the, episode, the Rock yeah. made me cry when that like it, I think it was only like the second or third episode. Sorry, I'm backtracking, but like when Rock was given the option to eat whatever she wanted, and she's like, totally. "I'll just have my my Stockholm syndrome meal." <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, the the time fracture episode is like, you know, if there's like a tr most track episode possible award, that episode should get it. It was absolutely perfect and i was shocked by how short it was like again it could have easily been a full-length episode um and dug into more stuff but it was so it was perfect it was really well done yeah they got a lot of story in there and yeah. um yeah i have dog showdown going on behind me just so you know um i'm trying to, to uh manage that um but yeah, I mean, they got a lot of story into 24 minutes. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's like the intro is like almost two minutes and the credits are also, so it's really like 20 minutes tops, you know, like there's not a lot of uh, time in these episodes. Well, I'm I'm guessing that the animation on this show is just brutally tough to do um, and looks beautiful. It looks, there's times when there's just ships going, things going on where like it could be live, it could you wouldn't know the difference between live action and you know and, and and what's going on when there's not characters on the screen so i think that's one of the reasons why we're getting the disjointed prodigy so um because i think that they uh um have to take a lot of time to do that animation is has it been successful did either of you guys know what the ratings are like is it is it going over well i mean it was renewed so yeah and i it, i saw something about it being among the top uh streaming shows oh great so yeah yeah it's weird though but because it's doing really well ideally but like when i talk to my friends who are star trek friends or star trek fans who are friends like almost none of them have seen it and so you know i felt are like you not I, in, are you not are you not in star trek shit posting i am not sarah i i i go there every once in a while sorry God. <laughs> um Come to the dark side because the you find so many more Star Trek friends. It's the thing. I've met so many friends from you know Star Trek friends from that group. Oh, I know. I mean, online that's one thing. Like I, I see a lot of people posting about it on especially on Twitter, because I follow Star Trek Twitter yeah. pretty closely. But um it and um but you know, I don't know. What Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about the reaction you've seen from fans? Because I, I haven't seen a lot. Um, I mean, just, I mean, the reason I brought that up is because, you know, with with Star Trek ship posting, they will have a 
official thread every time an episode comes out. And so, you know, because it's like a spoiler thing, right? So you want to make sure that you contain everything within one thread. And it's one thing that the group does really well. Like we really appreciate it, especially given the fact that admins are obviously, you know, just volunteers. Um, but every time there's a new episode of any of the series, there's a, there's a spoiler thread. And it's a really great thing because when you're done watching the episode, you can go to the group and you know that that thread will be there and you can kind of discuss it with everybody who's there. So they did the, they did this for, for Prodigy and, you know, it, it was a great way to like decompress and talk about it. And, you know, that's why I was like, you know, if you want to get a sense of what other fans are talking about, it's a great place to be. Where, where would you find this group? Facebook. Ah, okay. Yeah. Star Trek shit posting. I, I, I have, go, I have looked at it quite a bit because there are some really funny things. It can also be a really horrifying place. It really depends on the day. You know, it's part of the beauty of it. It's Anything the can happen yeah. at any, yeah. any time. Right. And, and, and I do know um, that specifically, um, well, like, and we talked about this in the Lower Decks episode, but there's evidence that, that, that um, some people in the Kurtzman circles definitely are reading. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Specifically shitposting, like, you can tell that, like, that there's evidence that they're they're lurking um, and that they know things. And, and, and every once in a while, like you definitely can see in the modern Star Trek that there there's lines or dialogue. There was something on discovery where I was like, Oh, they're specifically trying to shut down nerds from freaking out about this one particular thing. I can't even remember what it was, but they're definitely was it when the guy got, what is it when the guy got killed after trying to mansplain to Michael Burnham? Because I enjoyed that personally. Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, where the guy's like, like in the process of explaining to her, and then the asteroid just, he explodes. <laughs> just explodes him up. Yeah, yes, that was season two, like early. Yes, yeah. that was one of them. Yes, for sure. Um, and then the the series end or the first. <clears throat> season ended with uh, moral star parts one and two and this is where the diviner kind of comes back around now to me one of the weaker things of the show and it's sad it's sad to me because i like john noble a lot is the diviners plot when it got revealed um i actually liked the storyline i liked what was going on with the story but at the same time like <clears throat> you know um and I guess if he hadn't loaded his weapon into the protostar, because a lot of people are saying, well, why did he just let the kids go back to Starfleet? But he hadn't loaded his weapon or whatever it is onto the, he needed to get the protostar first. So now whatever like virus or whatever thing that he has loaded on there, which we don't know what it is yet, but, um, and then I like the idea. I do like the idea that this was a first contact gone bad you know that you know and we don't know any details on that we don't know if it was chakotay on the protostar we don't know if it was janeway on voyager uh you know but we know that they met starfleet and 50 years later they had descended into civil war my guess is that when we get closer to more answers that there will be a specific episode they're referencing since obviously like it took it took a little while for people to find the protostar being referenced by Harry Kim, and you know, and then fans someone found it. So, <laughs> you know, 
Huh. I wonder, have you, uh, I mean, we don't know the timeline. I haven't, I hadn't really thought about that in advance, but like, we know that it was like 50 years later, it got destroyed after contact, but we don't really know when that was. So it could be anywhere. I think we know he came back in time. Yeah. So we don't know when the first contact happened. The first contact may not have happened. Yet. Right. It could be in the future or whatever the right. future, our future, whatever. <clears throat> the future of the, of prior. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the timeline, we know that they are in the, and here's where it gets tricky. Okay. With the last couple episodes in the timeline, we think the prodigy is in the lower decks timeline post nemesis, right? Because the uniforms are similar to the ones they're wearing on lower decks. However, if you look closely at when Janeway says, I'm coming, Chakotay, if you look at her comm badge, it is the same comm badge she was wearing in the Voyager episode Endgame, where Janeway came from the future to speed up Voyager's return home. Because originally it took Voyager like 40 or 50 years to get back, or 30 or 40 years to get back to Earth. And then she came from the future to, to get them back quicker. And that comm badge is the one she was wearing in the far future of the final episode of Voyager, not the Lower Decks era one. I will be the first to admit I did not notice that, nor would I ever notice that. But I'm glad that you noticed that and told me. <laughs> I thought it was fishy. And then I explored videos online where people far nerdier than me explained it so i did notice that it was different i just didn't get all the details until i i did some digging so and the name of her ship is the dauntless and it also has an experimental drive of some kind so um so janeway's rocking some some weird technology that would change everything so well, see, i i hope sarah's not wrong here or I hope Sarah is wrong. I don't know which one I hope, but I hope that they don't have, I hope that they haven't de-aged Janeway. You know what I mean? Like, cause her cartoon, cartoon wise, she looked about the same age as the end of Voyager. And so I hope that that's when it takes. No, place. it's definitely an older vice admiral Janeway. Um, yeah. but, but the issue is what timeline is that Janeway from and where are we going with that? that's the weird thing that we have to deal with and that would make things different because there's no protostar or slipstream drive in picard right or in right. that era so um which well, is because at this point we can just trans warp across the galaxy so it doesn't matter right they don't need the drive anymore <laughs> well well and that's that's the thing Oh, you mean with the spore drive with Discovery? Well, I was the, I was trying to make a joke about the uh, those other the newer Star Trek movies where they can just beam across the galaxy. Oh yeah, well, yeah. let's not talk about JJ. Yeah, Star I know, I know, I know it's your your pet peeve. So I was just yes. I was just joking. Uh, but but what I think they're setting up is that much like the spore drive had to get explained away to nine hundred years in the future, I think the protostar and the slipstream drive the on the dauntless is all stuff we're gonna have to wait and figure out what they're doing there but i what's cool is i think they're doing something really cool there it's so probably something nice nicely thought out i would imagine nicely thought out we have yeah. some time to think about it but 
Uh, personally, that's all neat stuff to me. And if you can get nerds making 25 minute videos about com badges on YouTube, <laughs> then you're doing your job as a Star Trek creator. <laughs> yeah. Cause so the thing is, is if it's, if it's entertaining for your eight-year-old and your eight-year-old likes like rock, and then we'll someday finish next generation with you because she's gotten into Star Trek, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Right. That's the mission there. But if yeah. you can get the nerds to talk about the com badges for 25 minutes on YouTube and then have me discussing this with you guys like the nerdity of the combat just this is great star trek that's that's what you want to do right perfect right it's right on brand yeah so now we have a whole complete season we've talked about i freaking love prodigy i think it's great i think it's one of the best things that the kurtzman era has done because of its double mission i love um i love titles that have two meanings i love stories that have two purposes um i love um you know and i just like that we're getting more and different kinds of star trek all over the place like uh lower ducks didn't work for me um like isa your our friend anna who fucking loved it so much to that point i'm happy for her it doesn't have to work for me it can work for other people right and um so i'm just stoked that that we're getting more different kinds of star trek and yeah. in a lot of ways we're in a golden age for it because the way paramount <coughs> excuse me paramount is trying to do this they're making sure that we have a new star trek every week yeah that's well, fucking yeah, great they, they don't they don't want people to unsubscribe in the office yeah, they, <laughs> told there's no other reason to be on the paramount network you know um, but uh, one thing I want to talk about the cartoon thing real quick. So as everyone remembers, I'm the guy that hates cartoons and I don't hate cartoons. What I meant was cartoons let you be kind of take some shortcuts in storytelling. Like for instance, in Lower Decks, there's that really long scene where Boimler gets eaten by the drooling slime monster and it's just kind of funny and it's pretty like, you know, whatever, low, low common denominator humor um and in a real show in a live action show you wouldn't have had that moment because you couldn't have filmed it um uh prodigy doesn't have that problem they don't really there's nothing that they hand wave over as a cartoon um that i mind at all so i i it, it doesn't bother me at all that it's a cartoon i think it's fine i think the animation looks beautiful yeah the space stuff looks great the theme song is amazing <laughs> michael Chikino. I don't know how they got him to do. He must have been really stoked to do it. Uh, <clears throat> I love that it ends with classic Star Trek notes and you know the way they incorporated Jane Way <clears throat> and at the end, really great stuff. When I, what do you guys feel now that we're, since we're in spoilers? How do you feel about this whole like Chakotay was the captain of the Protostar? And I'm on my like, way. Like what happened to him? I'm very like what what happened? Because he's like I'm. She's like I'm coming to get you, and it's like oh, but he's not on the ship. Where is he? I would imagine. What does that they, mean? I would think they're going to go into like a rescue mission kind of mode for the next season, or at some point to try to find the original crew. Yeah. Um, you know, you could assume that they're dead, but probably they're stranded somewhere and something. You know. And then what happens to our crew if Starfleet shows up? Right. And my thinking is, is that, um, you know, the 
you know, the data, the, um, the Janeway ship, the Dauntless can only go so fast. It's going to take time to get there. So at some point there, she's going to be able to communicate with the protostar, but they're still going to be on their own to, to do the mission to, you know, <coughs> and I'm assuming that they're going to be like, we got to go find Chakotay. David, take a water break. Take a drink some water. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I definitely am coughing. Um, and that's bad. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love the Chakotay stuff. Um, but I mean, I wasn't the biggest Chakotay fan as a character, but, um, and, 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 you know, it's not Robert Bel Beltran's fault. I just didn't think he was a great Lee Brent character, but I like where they're going with this. Yeah, there are a lot of options of where this can go, and and I trust them to go somewhere good because so far it's been amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see where they go, and um, you know, uh, I think it all comes. I think this this story, I think a lot of it comes down to characters, and, but you know that, that that's going to be the new the new mystery, and then what's going to happen with the diviner like being crazy in their on their ship too <clears throat> because you know and that was crazy that that i did not expect the show to go so dark yeah with, with the medusin revealing you know with zero yeah revealing, you know and then of course like you know setting up the whole thing with gwen not being able to remember so yeah yeah all right <coughs> excuse me final thoughts uh on uh prodigy and then we'll talk about um the upcoming shows and what we feel about that so sarah final thoughts on prodigy uh the first half of the season i i just love it i i don't really have anything else to add i uh i love that it's dark and complicated and visually beautiful i mean it just hits every note for me i'm I'm very happy about it. I really can't even think of anything that I would wish that they did differently. Isa, I made yeah. you watch this. I, oh. What was that? I made you watch Sorry. this. You did. I'm so <laughs> glad. It was great. It, I, I agree with Sarah. It really couldn't have been better. You know, I have my little nitpick about the first season of the first episode just for in terms of grabbing kids' attention, but I thought it was fine for me. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. I think everyone should watch it with their kids or without their kids, or if they don't have kids, they should just watch it. No kids involved. Um, and uh, it was really good. I'm excited to see where it goes. And also I'm excited for like a lot more of this. You know what I mean? Like I, I love everything. Everything that's coming out is great. It doesn't have to be like, you know, I don't have to, we're beyond the point where I have to compare everything to next generation. You know what I mean? That was like peak Star Trek for me, but I, I don't think about it like that anymore. Now it's just like, Hey, there's all this awesome stuff to watch. So that's good. Yeah. Deep space nine is peak Star Trek, but whatever. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <it, coughs> uh, yeah, so. You know, damn well that the voyage home is peak Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That movie is called the one with the whales. Thank you. Um, but uh, I think they should officially change the title to that. The whale, just the whale. Yeah, it's the one with the whales. Um, well, look. Um, so, moving forward, I'm a little antsy about Picard season two because 
I don't like that they're coming back to our era in it. And I'm also not the biggest Q fan, but I'm open-minded to it. Um, and I love Q. I love him so much. I'm so excited. I, I feel like Q Revisited <laughs> has a lot of potential. Like I agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of things that... Um, you know, there we live in this era of remakes or whatever, and some of them are just terrible, but a lot of them really take into account what should have been better and manage to incorporate it. And I feel like Q has a lot of potential there. Yeah. And just to be clear, we're talking about Star Trek Q, not crazy political people Q. I just want to make that clear. Yeah. There's no Star Trek Q. <laughs> there's no yeah. confusion. I don't want to get quoted out of context here somewhere, you know. Well, speaking of of online Star Trek, I uh, Tony Peake, who's a science fiction writer, posted a thing yesterday saying, like, what conspiracies would there be in the Star Trek universe? And um, it was funny because... Great question. Well, you know, Greg Cox, the author, he was he was great. He said, uh, he, he said, well, did you totally know that Spock's father is also a Romulan commander? And like, you know, <laughs> uh, and, like, and, uh, so there's a lot of jokes about the casting but um but one thing i noticed is like i kept ruining everyone's joke because people kept the several people posted the universe is flat and i f i found that recent physics article where they proved that the universe is actually flat um <laughs> and that they you know with, with a lot in it but that the actual shape of the universe is a flat shape and i was like that's actually true um that's science. Um, and then people were giving me shit. But anyways, so yeah, Picard. But I'll tell you the one show that, and I said this probably last time, uh, but the show that I'm most excited about is Strange New Worlds. Uh, I cannot wait for Strange New Worlds because I think that's going to be the most original series. Like, I love that they're expanding Uhura as a character and Dr. Mabenga's back. Uh, after two episodes of the original series, we're going to maybe get an explanation for why he left McCoy to do so much work by himself. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is probably going to be, we're going to find out why he's a Vulcan expert, you know. And I still think one of the greatest moments in the original series is when Mabenga's like, all right, here's what you got to do. We got we to gotta smack Spock really hard and then he's going to be better. <laughs> It's just like, I'm a Vulcan expert, smack, you know, <laughs> that character's coming back. That's great. Yeah, uh, cool. uh, and Pike is just my absolute favorite captain. So Pike and Discovery season two, I thought he was perfect. So I'm very excited for Strange. Captain, I mean, has there been enough for him to be your favorite captain? Is that like the band that recorded like a seven inch and then broke up can't be your favorite <laughs> band, you know? Like, <laughs> Well, he's gonna have strange worlds to prove okay. it. All right, we'll we'll see. <laughs> well, then it would be Cisco after that, anyways. So of course, of course, yeah. Even but, though the correct answer is Picard, as we all know. So you know, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, he's got two more seasons to prove himself. So, and the rumor is, is that season three of Picard is gonna be bananas. Um, okay, I hope so. Bring it. Well, and because I think it's very clear that they're ending Picard's storyline there. Yeah. So, you know, so of course they had to do Q before then. So, uh, which is great. Yeah. And, uh, but for me, Strange New Worlds, give me episodic, 
uh, Twilight Zone episodes of Star Trek on the Enterprise with Cats and Pike. I'm all yeah. for it. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah. By uh, episode three, at least. <laughs> all right. Any closing thoughts for Star Trek fans before we go? Uh, where can people find you if they want to find you? If you want them to find you, do you not want them to find you? I don't know. I don't, no one needs to find me, and, I, and uh, they don't want to find me anymore, so it's fine. You can't, you can't <laughs> find me. <laughs> I'm unfindable. Well, they can find your music out there. They could, yes. Uh, well, let's see. I can't promote Spotify, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever, somewhere. YouTube? I don't know. Yeah, good, clean, fun. Great hardcore band. Very Thank sarcastic. Uh, I won't like it, but you know. <laughs> ah, College is a great song. Okay. That's a great song. You should be very proud of that song. I should tell you, Issa, the other day, I have students that work cleaning tables at bars in the morning, you know, as a vocational job. And I was at this, my students were at a bar cleaning tables in the morning and I was in the bathroom and I heard this bell ring and I was like, God, that sounds like the salad days bell. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a very specific, weird sound. And then I I like walked out of the bathroom and they were playing minor threat salad days but it was so funny to hear that bell because i was like god that sounds like the bell and it never (laughs) occurred to me that minor threat would actually be playing there so that's really funny you're one of the few people that would really get that reference for me anyway sarah um uh you're more you're a facebook person you're not really on twitter though at least as far as I am on Twitter and I spend about five minutes a day on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. But it's obvious by my content, but (laughs) yeah, I, am more of a Facebook person, unfortunately, because I actually hate Facebook, but it's where everybody is. So I'm kind of, that pretty much sums up Facebook, you know, but it's where everyone is. The only reason why Facebook exists is because they don't really have any real competition because, you know, other, uh, they're such a bad product objectively. They're just so bad. It's so, it's like a government service now, but it's like, you feel like you're in the DMV half the time. People, people like me are just too lazy to use a new service. That's really the problem. Like, like I understand. Well, everybody has to kind of do it at once. Like when Google Plus came out, right. I feel like Google Plus came out at the wrong time because if it would have come out like around now, you know, or right after, like it was proven that Facebook kind of messed with the election and was very irresponsible about all of that, I feel like people would have. But you know, you have to have a critical mass in I, order I to make. Giving, I think you're giving people way too much credit, myself included. Like I just am too lazy to. I will if Facebook were to turn off. I would just never do social media again. Like I'm not going to go through that <laughs> of dealing. Like it's such a net negative on all of our lives. Like I, I'm not going to like ever use Twitter or anything else. Like I just don't want that, you know. <laughs> like, but I'm already yeah, on Twitter Facebook. Has purposes, but, yeah, sure. Twitter's useful for some stuff. And as far as Star Trek goes, Star Trek Twitter is a great way to follow <laughs> theories, rumors, those kinds of things. Like Star Trek Twitter, like because if you just hit follow Star Trek. And then you get like all yeah. the posts, but mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that's really good. That's how I find a lot of the, you know, there's been some really great memes lately for, for, but the, the book of Boba Fett. They mostly originate in Star Trek show, shit posting and then they end up on Twitter just so that everybody's clear oh, here. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, you can find Sarah at Star Trek shit posting. <laughs> <for sure. laughs> 
Um, all right. So, folks, we'll, we'll probably next convene uh, after Discovery. So, um, right. I'm hoping to add some people to our panel, and uh, but we'll see. Um, I I uh, I was amazed how many people were like, "I'm not cut up. I'm proud of you. Sorry, man." <laughs> Whereas Isa was Loser. like, "I got it. Loser. I will watch the whole damn thing." Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I love I love Star Trek. I'm just. I'm, you know, between being just generally busy in life and whatever, I don't have always have time to keep up with everything. So it's great to have an excuse. I love it. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. So uh, I guess everybody uh, live long and prosper and all that stuff. Um, we'll, uh, uh, we'll be back for uh, Discovery, I'm sure, because uh, I, so far, I'm really loving this season. And there's, I have problems. There's things I wish would be different. I don't like it as I still think Discovery season two is their best, strongest season. But, but, uh, but there's a lot to talk about. And I just had my mind blown realizing that the Federation president from Discovery is the same woman that played uh, Helen Smith on uh, Man in the High Castle. She was incredible yeah. on that show. So now I'm like twice as impressed by the Federation president. Um, but that's <laughs> here nor there. We'll get there. Discovery. See you folks then. Thanks a lot.